Welcome to Mind Gap Podcast. It's me, Doug. If you'd like to check out our podcast episodes live, head on over to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash lowercase c slash mindgappodcast for the live stream there. We'd love to interact with you during the show. While you're there, it would mean the world to us if you would hit the like and subscribe button. This little act helps us grow and we'd appreciate your contribution. If you're still in the giving mood, head over to wherever you're listening to this podcast and give it a rating and a review. If you like a particular episode, video, or bit, share it around with your friends. Who knows? You may help another mind gapper find their way into our loving embrace. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mindgappodcast. Your subscription will give you access to early content, exclusive videos, special Discord privileges, and more. All right, that's enough for me. On with the show. Mind Gap Podcast. Welcome to Mind Gap Podcast. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And we have a wonderful guest joining us this week, uh, coming from the Unranked Podcast, also a talented, uh, just content creator in general. Uh, Please welcome Tom Caswell. Oh, whoa. Was not expecting... Sound, although I should do because my podcast has a bunch of sound effects and sound bites and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, thank you everyone for so much for having me. It's great to be here. You're you're so welcome, Tom. And let me tell you, we have nothing but highbrow soundboard <laughs> audio clips here. So I hope you're prepared. I don't know if you've ever seen an episode of the podcast where we've used Tune of Three Thousand. <laughs> so one of one of our um, on unranked one of uh, Tuner is one of our hosts. And uh, Christian, the the found, the creator of Unranked, he took it upon himself to program a soundboard with clips of Tuna uh, nice. that he cut out, and just like so, it's just catchphrases and stuff like that. But there's so much, so much that you could like probably like have a half sentient AI <laughs> like become him. <laughs> Yeah. We definitely prided ourselves on that. Uh, we pulled a lot of a lot of quotes out of context from podcasts and from game streams, and they actually, you know, when we were on Twitch, that that used to be something you could cash in is play sound effects from people. There was, you know, mm-hmm. some from our players, and we kind of just warned people like, "Hey, just so you know, uh, you say something out of context that we find funny, it might become a soundboard drop." So just so you know, you know, there you go. that's pretty good. <laughs> But uh, to the folks who don't know you, Tom, uh, mm. give tell everyone who you are, what you do, where they can find you online. We'll do that again at the end of the show. But I want people to know right now who you oh, are yeah. and why they should check you out. Sure. Uh, so I'm Tom Caswell, a.k.a. Great Britom, uh, on everything. Uh, it is uh, great because it's... Uh, I, I'm never worried about it being taken on something. You know what I mean? I only recently <laughs> signed up like within the last like year for a TikTok, right? So that app was tremendously popular and huge before I even jumped on it. And like I didn't even think for a second that <laughs> someone would have taken it. So that's great. Uh, yeah, anyway, so I, um, I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, I My primary job is I run the social media accounts for Input and inverse input being a kind of tech and culture website and inverse being uh, uh entertainment gaming and science 
and I write for both sites as well. Uh, I am a video producer by trade. I've I've worked in video or writing at like almost every major digital media publication. It feels like, um, and uh, yeah, I'm a part of the Unranked podcast, which uh, we've been doing since 2016. So uh, we're coming up on our six-year anniversary, which is really cool. Uh, we've done 300-something episodes. We're actually very close to where you guys are at. You're what? This is 3.30, right? Yeah, this is 3.30, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're – uh, and you've done it every week? We were – aside much, yeah. from like two or three weeks, we've pretty yeah. much been pretty consistent cool. with it, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we've been doing it for a little – just a little less – you know longer than you than you guys have um and yeah so that is kind of where that's the central hub for all of my content creation but you know i twitch uh by myself i create videos for unranked podcasts youtube um and yeah so that that's me in a nutshell that's awesome and uh, I, I've, I, if if you are even remotely interested in games and gaming, uh, you should absolutely check out check out Unranked Podcast. Uh, Tom and Tuna and Dan and uh, uh, Chris, Christian, Chris, mm-hmm. Christian, yeah. got it. Dang it! I was like, I, 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 I I'm terrible. I'm terrible with names, and I was doing well, and then I doubted myself on the no, last no, one. No, no, no. You, you nailed it in the end. <laughs> but anyway, like you, you guys are so great at not only are you super entertaining to listen to, um, but uh, you also are incredibly knowledgeable in gaming stuff in general. I, I was telling Justin, I listened to the episode where you and Christian had gone to the, the game awards and you were breaking down the categories like you, you could have been top notch Oscar folks who are breaking down the movies and, you know, doing like, you guys are just like. Going through anything, I'm like, I don't even know what games these are you're talking about. I know a couple of them, but in general, you're like, oh, man, best sound design. Obviously, it should have been this. I'm like, I, OK, I'm going to take your word for well, it. I do make it my mission uh, to play a lot of different games. And it usually means that I don't play. I don't finish a lot of games. Uh, I, I usually end up getting to a point where I feel like, you know, I'm my uh, my m- heart is made up you know kind of that's that's kind of like where i see and you know sometimes that means i do finish a game sometimes that does mean like i see something through to the end like uh uh gone into the galaxy last year was a game that and it's something that i mentioned in that like the writing i you know it was so deserved best writing last year that was a game where i was like i am not going to be satisfied until i finish this story um so yeah i play a lot of video games and uh yeah it's 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 really funny how much i like little details I'm aware of and know of about like the development cycle of games or a different developer and their history and things like that. Yeah. I feel like for a while I was like that on a lot of movies, especially like the Marvel cinematic universe. I was like, all right, this year, here's the movie slate that what's coming out when, and who's going to be doing what. And I was just so in tune with what was happening. And then I don't know. I think the pandemic kind of ruined a lot of that. Sure. (laughs) That's how seen Spider-Man. Because right. oh wow, I know it's been spoiled in proportion already to me in a lot of ways. But I mean I, that that movie was spoiled like two years ago. I feel like I also agree. almost every detail about it from uh, you know, and me just saying that is a spoiler because everyone's read the rumors <laughs> and all the leaks, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So that's that's yeah I'm, I'm impressed and so yeah again if you are even remotely curious or you you want to learn more about games and what's going on check out unranked uh very entertaining fun stuff and you guys are, i'm always impressed at the games you guys come up with to play during the episode well it's very entertaining uh that that honestly a lot of shout out to chris you know um 
me, uh, Tuna, and Dan, we, we come up, we, you know, the three of us separately come up with a game every now and again, but Chris is able to crank them out. And, you know, a lot of them are not always hits. I'm going to be honest. A lot of them are like, <laughs> this idea is great in, uh, in practice, but when you actually do the game, it can be absolutely infuriating but it it always makes for good content just mm -hmm. us um you know uh getting mad at chris for designing the most uh, uh, uh you know ridiculous game or whatever um those are always yeah but they're, they're always fun to play and when we when there is a gem you know it's great yeah for what's, sure what's been the the hardest game that you guys the one that you cursed him out the most for the the hottest game is a game he made called Russian Roulette. It is all it is. I think a hybrid between the most difficult game that he's ever made. At, oh, oh God, the Rihanna! Uh, it's the most difficult game he's ever made, and it's the most frustrating to play. I, I personally feel like it's the one where there it, there isn't a lot of 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 laughing. So there's there's <laughs> to put it in perspective. For example, there's another game called Game Busters. All right, Game Busters is basically uh if you've ever oh my god this is such a deep pull uh the ricky gervais show right mm -hmm. uh, way back in the day like the one that they played the one not the podcast the radio show uh that they did uh they would play this thing called um uh uh blockbusters our uh, rockbusters and it was like you basically had to guess um a, a artist a musical artist or a band name so for example if the answer was uh tony bennett okay uh the the clue was that part of the foot and that bit of the leg um you need to throw it out and so it's toe knee binet oh wow <laughs> Wow! <laughs> so we do oh. that but for video games <laughs> and oh. so um one of them was like that expert um he is you know he's a wizard in the kitchen or something like that and it was maestro chef <laughs> and master chief so we do that that one's, that one's fun that one's really fun to play and like you know, when he's reading out the clue and we're just like completely baffled as to what he's saying, it's funny and we're laughing. Yeah. Russian Roulette is this one where we have six attempts to guess a game and we just get like one word clues and each of the clues get progressively easier each each time um, and are worth less points, right? The, the, the more clues you need to get. Um, and it's just it's just us sitting there like what how are these you know what is going on and you know wolf wolf's blood in the chat brings up ask him about the rihanna answer so the other thing is is i i really forget where this started but so often in every game that we do if there's clues involved usually every week there will be a clue that is just rihanna and you have to figure out like okay is that based on the fact that she started in the movie battleship is it based on the fact that you know shine bright like a diamond you know is it based on umbrella is it based on who she's dated is it based on her uh clothing line fenty you know it the 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 options are numerous um, it's basically yeah, it's a nothing yeah. clue you're like thanks thanks for that it, it, yeah, but sometimes it can be like the thing that like you're like I have it, you know. Um, that's amazing. So so anyway, I was a big fan of the uh, game where you played where uh, Dan I think would describe what was happening the on the cover art. of a game. Yes, and you guys that's had to guess the game based on that, that. Which I was like, 
Wow. Good. Uh, I don't know the cover art enough for any of that stuff. So that was very fun to listen to. <laughs> yeah, that one. That one's like a really, really, a really good one. It's it's fast. It uh, and um, it, I find it easier than some of the other games that we play. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, well, we have so much to talk about, but before we yes. do a little bit of house housekeeping before we get started, mm. uh, first things first, if you, if you want to support the podcast, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash mind gap podcast. You could be a supporter like Wolf's Lore or Richie Armor or Zenny or Slotty Bartfast. All of the wonderful Patreons. Thank you for supporting us. We appreciate you. Also, if you want to join the MindGap community, check out our Discord uh, server. You can check out the link in the description down below. Join us. Be part of the cool people like Wolfslore, like Noah, like Zenny. Meet all of us. Hang out with us. Play games. We set up game nights. We have a good time. Come hang out with us. Uh, check out our merch on redbubble.com for all of your uh, MindGap needs. And last but not least, we do stream live on YouTube. YouTube.com slash podcast on Tuesdays live for the podcast and Saturday nights I host a video game stream right here as well. So please check us out on all that stuff. All right. Now that that's done, let's talk about the most important thing. One of the most important questions mm. of the night. One of our uh, community members, Zenny, asks all our guests this and I, it, this should be real easy for you, Tom, because I know okay. your credentials. The question is, what is your favorite Pokemon, and why is it Snom? <laughs> this is so uh, serendipitous because of our podcast. I don't think we've come up. So long story short, we do um, we talk about every number of each episode on our pod uh, refers to a, a number in the Pokedex. So we're slowly working our way through the Pokedex. We're in the middle of the Hoenn region, Hoenn region right now. Uh, Snom, if, 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 if I remember correctly is this just like i i you know what i i have no idea what fucking pokemon this is um i don't know like gonna, I, I, the only yeah. way i could really describe it is it looks like the world's most adorable fuck pillow that's kind of the way i i oh, jesus I, yeah. would, I would uh categorize it oh jesus you are correct yeah that is not too far off from the truth so this was oh yes this is uh uh, a sword and shield Pokemon. I actually like Frozmoth, which is its evolution. Pretty, pretty solid uh, evolution there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a boring answer. It's either like Pikachu or Charizard, and it's just because, like, just iconic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, any of the recent ones? Oh, I really like from one of the recent ones. It's this like dragon Pokemon, um, and it has like rockets on it it's so sick well how can you not it's, like that <laughs> yeah it's called um dragapult and yeah, of course it is and your favorite one <laughs> yeah it's it's really sick um it's it's like this kind of floating dragon and it has this big triangle head and then yeah it has oh, yeah. it's very cool it's like very a b52 cool. bomber grew a body yeah exactly grew a big tail yeah <laughs> that's yeah, amazing it, it oh, is yeah. it is a really good Pokemon. I, I actually know, like a lot of the new ones from. I know the, absolutely the, nothing about Pokemon. Uh, mm. Whenever anyone talk like today, Noah was streaming and he did the whole like tiering system of all the Pokemon, and oh, I was geez. sitting there just going like, I don't, I don't understand what anything that's happening. This is a whole dimension of things that I think I was a year or two older 
than sure. when the craze was. So when it hit, I know for a fact, if I had been about one or two years younger, I would have been in it. But I was mm-hmm. at that age where I was like, that's for kids. But I was also a kid. And it probably yeah. wouldn't have been cool to have Pokemon trading cards. Probably would have gotten beat up in rural Missouri where I grew up. So, hundred um, percent. When people talk about it, I'm like, oh, this must be what it's like when I talk about games to my wife or to people that don't know anything about these games, or when I talk Dungeons and Dragons to Justin, and he's like, I don't know what <laughs> any of this means. That's not originally yes, <laughs> but that's changed now because I keep talking about it and slowly, bit by bit. You're wearing me down. A little yeah. bit of it sticking there. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I have no resistance to D&D anymore. You, I'm just, I've given in. I'm like, sure. Good. 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 Um, great. So there you go. There you go, Zenny. I hope your answer suits you and you're satisfied. Uh, she's always one of the first things to ask those, those questions. So I'm glad. I was like, <laughs> this will be a great question for Tom. He'll enjoy this. Um, but I want to start also with kind of like you are obviously, I would consider you an expert in the gamings, the gaming <laughs> world. You understand oh, the, you. the concepts of it very well. Um, and I just, you know, kind of kicking things off in that realm. I consider myself casual gamer. Justin, what do you consider yourself in the gaming? I would consider, I am aware that video games exist mm. and I have played them in my past. Yes. So that's where I'm at with video games. There we are. I uh, enjoy video games. I just never find the time to play them. And so I, yeah, I yeah. think that's kind of where I See, lie. Justin doesn't prioritize gaming. He puts his time towards other things like video mm-hmm. content creation and script writing. Whereas sure. I am like, I've got spare time. Hey, the Avengers game's on sale on Steam for $18. Let's see if it's as bad as everyone says. It's not great. It's so. really funny because I'm actually working on a, a script this year. Ah. Um, yeah, I'm working on something. Yeah, I, um, you know, I went to I went to school for film and video, and like making movies was originally what I wanted to do. And then like my viable, you know, kind of like marriage of uh, video creation and um, gaming, and also like a way to make money <laughs> was digital media, which in hindsight was really short sighted because it's a cesspool of not making any money at all. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I haven't made, I haven't, uh, made something myself, uh, you know, worked on a set that I wasn't running for years at this point. And it's my 30th birthday this year. Well, and so happy uh, early birthday. Thank you. It's not until March. So we've got, a, we've got a little bit happy but, um, early birthday, Tom. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so yeah, I'm working on something. I hope to shoot it, uh, this summer, um, and uh yeah so it's cool to cool to i'll have to send you a, a draft and so I would love it. It. yes that's awesome oh, yeah uh, yeah we yeah i don't want to speak for justin but he he and his partner uh drew uh they have a production company two estate productions and they've been producing oh, cool. some stuff which is really really cool and i'm just happy we'll to be to like hell yeah i'm just i'm a side person when i'm watching it, i'm like cool go justin i'm doing a video game stream this saturday <laughs> The other thing that has consistently kept me down from gaming is the fact that I am a Mac person Mm. and Macs just unless you're going to unless you're going to spend, you know, 10 plus grand, Macs just are not gaming computers. They just don't have the oomph necessary. And so it's been a uh, it's been a sore spot. I know with the community, a lot of people have been telling me to get off the Mac train. So 
We'll yeah, see. I mean, I, I have a, I have a, actually, I don't have my own personal Mac laptop anymore. I just have my work one. I've uh, definitely been eyeing those new MacBook Pros, but um, I honestly, like, I do a lot, now that I have, like, a gaming PC, like, I do a lot of video editing on here, specifically because I have, if, so you guys are on a 16 by 9 monitor here. I actually have a uh, 31 by 9 ultra wide monitor here. Oh, yeah. And just being able to see a Premiere Pro timeline in that mm. size and like that much info, like dream. Uh, this, I, I could probably edit it better on a Mac, but like just being able to see the timeline is, yeah, a dream. But uh, the other problem with Macs, though, is, um, you know, uh, that th they have very powerful graphics cards. They're just kind of not built for gaming and, uh, mm -hmm. And if even if you install something like Windows, like the problem is, is that these fucking they're like slightly altered, slightly custom uh, GPUs. So like finding the correct drivers and all of that, like the optimization is just like it sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sucks. Not to mention that a lot of those games just don't run on Macs either. So trying to find a game that well, you can play co-op. Yeah. <laughs> After High, I think it was High Sierra uh, or one of the I don't remember which one. Catalina. They did away with 32-bit. Uh, uh, everything on the Mac now has to be 64-bit. Yeah, so any 32-bit games. So yeah. I had a few select games in Steam that when I would jump on, Doug and I would play, and I have two games now that still Tabletop Simulator is mm -hmm. one of them. That is We're one gonna of them. We're going to do that. However, it, it makes my computer almost blow up. The last time we played D&D. Oh, man. Noah says watching y'all play It Takes Two would be a dream. I would love to play that game with you, Justin. I would love to. It's basically like... What that game is. It's basically kind of... You know, we talked about playing Portal together. It's it's yeah. problem solving. It would be it'd be so much fun. You and I tried to solve problems together. <laughs> it's also a game about divorce. Hey, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it uh, it it uh, it's it's a great game. I've watched people play it. It sounds really good. But anyway, yeah, fantastic. That being said, you Tom, being an expert mm. in the world mm. of games, from your perspective, in your opinion, what are the elements of a perfect video game? Sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's a question I've been thinking about. Um, I think that there's two answers to this. Firstly, it depends on what you're going for. Um, like what genre you're building. Uh, and I think, you know, depending on the genre, it defines kind of what the uh, traits are that you're going for. So if you're going for a first-person shooter, the gameplay has to be, uh, you know, the strongest aspect to it. Uh, there are some really great first-person shooters with some really dumbest shit storylines. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't really matter, right? Because, um, you know, you're... you're your, the 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 gunplay and the gameplay is so much fun. On the other hand, if you are going for like a third person action game, um, for example, I'm replaying Horizon Zero Dawn right now in preparation for for its sequel, Forbidden West, coming out next month. Uh, long and short of it, if you don't know about it, it's basically a game set in the far flung future. Humanity has collapsed, and we're basically in a caveman, you know, uh, Neanderthal like like state, um, but there is all this leftover machinery, specifically robot dinosaurs. Uh, so you have, you know, this mixture of all this and it's a big open world. And this is a game that uh, we played on stream the other day. And it was because I just wanted to jump in because I remember kind of feeling that the game felt very clunky. And going back in, it really is like the, the animations, the facial animations are really bad. Uh, the, the character doesn't control as well as you'd like 
them to. Um, but the story just like pulls you along. And so for that game, you know, I, I'm, I was originally just going to jump in to replay uh, and check it out and not really have any intention of finishing it. But now I'm like, oh, man, I forgot how good this story is. <laughs> and so, you know, for, for a game like that, I think you, you, you really need uh, a strong story. Personally, if I had to build my perfect video game, uh, I would say that it is something akin to uh, The Last of Us Part Two. Okay. And I'm not saying that like that is a perfect video game or even the best game I've ever played, but I think it hits so many of the elements that I am looking for. Uh, a really strong, interesting, compl- complex story. Uh, th- I really like third-person action games. And then the other thing is um, I just don't have as much time for these amazing open-world games that I, that I just love to lose myself in and i feel like that game does a really good job of being very linear but also um you know not feeling like i'm just walking through a specific corridor like i can explore here there's something cool to see over here and that like it's not an open world by any stretch of the imagination but there are like side things that you can find and upgrades that you might not come across if you just mainline it uh, God of War 2018, I also think is the clo- is is very similar in that vein, and maybe I should have gone with that because I do think that is like a perfect video game. I don't think that game has very many flaws at all, um, and I'm very excited for the sequel this year. Um, so yeah, if you're talking about in terms of you know what, what aspect needs to be the most important, right? It's it, it depends on the game, but I would say something akin to a God of War is to me the ideal of perfection. That's awesome. So you mentioned like first person shooters in particular. Um, uh-huh. You said, can you think of a first person shooter that actually had a really good story? Is there one that stands out to you? Cause I feel like nowadays um, a lot of those are all about, you know, yeah. let's have good fun game playing. Let's get to the multiplayer. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, with recently, I think that, um, uh, all of the Halo games, for the most part, have been uh, of at least a minimal quality of good. Even the the lowest ranked ones, like four and five. In fact, Halo Five Guardians, historically can, the most derided of all of all the Halo games. What it does with some of the characters and where some of the characters go in that, I actually find to be really interesting. And so I've been very excited for Infinite, and um, that is a game. You know, talking about gaming perfection, I find it struggling at times because they decided to be like, cool, we're going to make this open world, which is a lot of fun to play, but it does get in the way of an actually very interesting story. And so if anyone has been, you know, looking for something like a first person shooter with a great story, I do think that that infinite is one of them. Um, I think that the Wolfenstein games have uh, been, yeah, I actually Wolf's Blood actually just mentioned them in, in chat. Um, Wolfenstein, uh, New Colossus, and New Order were fantastic. Um, uh, definitely worth checking out if you haven't uh, done so. Um, man, like now I can't remember a single first-person <laughs> shooter. I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Like, I think one that stands out for me, I don't play a lot sure, of them because, um, I don't know, just nowadays like they all seem like you played one, you played them all. I, I grew up on some older I, I just don't do well especially with the multiplayer stuff I'm like ah, I'm not even gonna bother with this this is just gonna end with me being really sad about my abilities um, but uh, Bioshock Infinite 
was sure. one of the ones that stood out to me. I got on that train way late. Uh, but when <laughs> I finally played it, I played it. I was like, wow, this is a very interesting story, very interesting game, uh, awesome ending. And uh, it really stood out to me. And I'm not a Bioshock fan. I didn't play the first one or anything like that. But I, my brother was like, dude, you got to check oh, out Oh, you got to play Bioshock 1. Bioshock 1 is, uh, I think, again, if we're talking about like kind of flawless games, I really do think that that is one of them. It also holds up really well, um, I think. I love Bioshock Infinite. And I was very into Bioshock at the time. And uh, I had a very personal experience playing Bioshock Infinite. Mm. Um, but it's kind of one of those things that like I don't, you know, uh, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about. And especially as someone who uh, absorbs a lot of, other people's content and things like that you know i have re-examined bioshock infinite <laughs> uh to kind of uh see you know what cr- critics you know bring up and like oh that's a really good point like i was just so emotionally attached to that game when it came out i was like this is the greatest thing ever so um but i i, I do not feel that way about bioshock and i don't think anyone really is out there like disagreeing the bio the original bioshock isn't a masterpiece yeah um so i do i do recommend checking out the the original and it's a quick game as well it's like eight to ten hours at most so that's not even bad. for someone who's not super into gaming i i have heard throughout my years many people refer back to bioshock as being one of like it's like a, a cornerstone game in the history of gaming. What what do, for the uneducated or the uneducated? Mm. What does make that? Why what made that stand out? Heads and tails or heads and shoulders above everyone else? Well, I think it speaks to what Doug brought up about good stories in first person shooters. Um, you know, this was mid at the time, mid to uh late 2000 it was 2007 right so we were just kind of i mean call of duty was less than two years old at the point like the modern idea of a a shooter had like just happened (laughs) halo was only like six years before something like that and this makes um, me feel so old yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um so i think that it, it it was other than maybe Halo, the first first-person shooter to be like the narrative is actually uh, fantastic. Um, I think also because so yeah, so the long and short of Bioshock is basically someone's in a plane crash uh, over the ocean. They uh, you know are swimming and they find this lighthouse, and when they go to the lighthouse, they go down an elevator into an underwater city called Rapture. And it's basically this libertarian, uh, obviously originally planned as a utopia, but like eventually fell to, you know, a dystopic uh, fate. Um, And you are just kind of making a way through trying to get, you know, back home. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of things about, you know, the big thing is there's a big twist kind of halfway or, you know, two thirds of the way through the game that is, uh, I mean, revolutionized. I think a lot of what people thought about when it comes to gaming story and like not only gaming story, but how gaming story is built into the gameplay of a game and like that marriage between story and gameplay. um, You know, it was you see it a lot more often, but it's because of Bioshock that uh, I think made people realize that you could intertwine those two in ways that I don't think previously people really thought about. Because you would have the gameplay, and then you would just have a cutscene that would you you had nothing to do with, or it felt very disjointed from the actual game. This uh, married them a little bit closer. No, not not ne- necessarily. So, um, uh, 
I'll try and be as light as possible on spoilers because I do think it is worth experiencing. But, you know, in the game, you are there is someone who's speaking to you over the radio and is telling you to do, you know, to do go do this to to open this and then you can make your way through here and like all this stuff. And then you kind of uh discover that you that that character is manipulating you to do these things and as a gameplay from a gameplay standpoint as a player you realize you know like you were doing those because that was the purpose of the game that was the purpose of the gameplay was cool i have this is my objective and i have to do it and they use that that like you know objective based actions and they intertwined it with the story and like why your character's motivations and um yeah, so I won't say much more than that. I, I may have already given away the goose. It is also very old, so like, <laughs> you know, um, it is 15 years old. Wow, it is the 15th anniversary of Bioshock this year. That's um, But yeah, so it's not, it, 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 it's more than just like, you know, here's a cutscene, mm-hmm. cut, we're going back to gameplay, because I feel that like, you know, uh, something like God of War is is doing something. I don't know if you know about God of War, uh, the 2018 remake, it's all one shot. The game is about 25 hours and it never cuts once. Oh, shit. Um, it's- yeah. Um, it's, it's one single shot. And so that is, a, you know, I think that's more speaking to like the blending of yeah. cutscene, what is cutscene, what is gameplay. Um, but this, you know, Bioshock, I think, goes beyond, beyond that in a Matrix almost fashion. That's really cool. So for me, a part of like I also kind of like lump this in a little bit with my movie watching as well. Replayability or rewatchability is really mm. important to me because I can play a great game, right? But at the end of the day, it's like I don't want to play and be like, "Well, that was a one timer now because I know how it ends or I know what it is." And I'm also not talking about collectibles. Collectible games can go fuck themselves. I'm not here <laughs> to be like collect these 300 things, eat shit. I don't want to do that. There's nothing I hate more. Then getting into a game and seeing something, it's like, I can't get that. It's like, oh, you don't have the right power yet. You got to come back in a couple hours and remember that this thing exists and where it is so that you can get it so that you could be whatever. I'm like, eat shit. The Arkham Knight games, like, man, that was the worst. I hated that. I <laughs> playing Super Mario Odyssey for the first time just recently. I'm like, there's a moon on a platform. I don't know how to get that. I'm probably just bad at the game, but it frustrates yeah. me. I'm like, I just want to play the game and move on. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, hey, let's go back and get all these things because I don't I don't collect things. That's not what I do. But I'm talking about enjoying a game so much. One of the games I replayed a lot is Divinity Original Sin 2. I love okay. it's a great role playing game. It's awesome because you can craft your characters so many different ways. It's just it's just a ton of fun. It's a very enjoyable game. I, I love that game. But also, you know, I really enjoyed Bioshock Infinite. I haven't replayed it since I beat it. I want to. I've also found a lot of other games that I want to play. But the yeah. idea of being able to go back and being like, hey, I want to play this game. Does that play a big factor to you at all? Or does that matter? Or what do you think? No, not at all. And in fact, um, you know, uh, there are just too many games to play. And right now, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm kicking myself because... I'm kicking myself because I have very little left in the Halo Infinite campaign, and I want to finish it because uh, February, well, actually, end of January, we have this new Pokemon game coming out. It is the, it, well, we talked about it on the podcast forever the other day, but 
long and short, it is the the Breath of the Wild version of Pokemon, right? So wow. that is happening. Then we've got like the next game from the Dark Souls creator, Elden Ring, and we've got the f- f- like February is this just month that enough games are releasing that you if you got all of the like big hitters you probably didn't need another video game to release all of 2022 um yeah is how at least to me like kind of how it feels like and so i am trying to beat this halo infinite campaign before any of that hits the fan um but uh i'm fucking playing horizon zero dawn because the story's so good and i kind of wish it wasn't so good because i don't (laughs) want to spend my time replaying it but like something is keeps drawing it to me um yeah i mean replayability is important to me in the sense that um i want a game to linger with me i want to I don't want to end a game and feel like, oh, thank God that's done, right? I want to end a game and be like, I want to start that up right away again. Last of Us Part Two was one of those games like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, if I do get to the end of a game, um, you know. And so, and you know, to be to be honest, you know, as much as I loved Guardians of the Galaxy, there was like one, just the ending was just long enough that by the time we, I was actually done with the game, I was like, okay, I, I never need to play this game again, but I still love that game. Um, so, yeah, I think replayability is important in the sense that I, I want to be left wanting more. That being said, uh, you know, as much as I tell myself, oh, I'll go back and replay this. I'll go, you know, there are so many games that I've told myself, oh, I'll go play this for the first time, and I never get around to doing it. So if I'm not doing that, <laughs> there's very little chance I'm going to go and re you know replay something and uh someone brought up um dying light 2 which is one of these february games that's coming out it's a zombie game the (laughs) the developer recently came out and said that to do everything in the game it'll take you 500 hours to to complete that's insane that's now this is it this is including this is including um all the side quests also that game has multiple endings and different paths you can take so it's also including replayability in that sense right like you know replaying and taking a different ending and stuff like that um you know uh that is something i (laughs) not interested in really and um you know uh even something like that where there is more than just like hey this is a great experience games saying hey you can have a different you know you could go take a different path or, or what have you uh i'm i'm very unlikely to go and actually do that you know yeah that's yeah. fair just, there's just too much that's being cranked it's too out much. Much it's good too stuff. Much. yeah it's too much would you say that we're in a, i feel like with uh, we've talked about this in the podcast before with being like um with all the streaming services and everything just before these streaming services really hit their stride and kind of became like the place to go when we had Breaking Bad and uh, Game of Thrones and um, uh, Mad Men and, and those kind of shows, I felt like we were in the golden age of the TV series again. And I think the the streaming services have carried that through, but I think we're getting a little diluted now. Would you say that we're in or past or yet to come up to the golden age of gaming? Do you feel like we're at a, oh, we're hitting a high? Um, hmm. Just based on how much shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting. You know, I never really thought about it. And, you know, what's really, you know, if you look at 
a bunch of other things like golden ages are like usually like the first right like it's usually like you know um you know like if you look at some like comics right like the eras right the golden age era is like the you know 40s to 60s um when those are coming out and then silver age is like 70s and and bronze and and so forth and so um i've never really thought about the uh the golden age of, of gaming um i think that there is a ton of stuff like yes it's there is more stuff in contention for greatness every year but one of the cool things is that yeah you know at no arena says we're in an indie golden age but actually that's really interesting because i feel like um that is an easier one to answer when we're talking about indie games specifically and i was going to bring up indie games when we're talking about like just overall golden age because we are in an age where you know, you have indie games, right? One per games with like one person just making it that are up for contention against the God of Wars every year. And so I do think we are in kind of a golden age there where the ability to make um, video games is, um, you know, greater than ever, you know, creating art assets, you know, coding things. You know, we have these games like Dreams where they are ga- video games that you play on like your PlayStation to make other video games. And like people can play your games in the game. So, you know, um, and that's where I think like it's hard to compare to something like TV because t- it's 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 uh, hereditarily technology based. Right, games advance with technology. Not to say the TV doesn't. Right, you get cheaper, easier ways to shoot something, right. but um, you know you're you're really looking at it from a, a standpoint of um, you know quality of script. Right, as as a screenwriter, you know, like right. uh, screen. You know, you can have a really shit looking movie, but if it has a good script, you know, um, you know, it's good. Right, and and right. it doesn't work the other way around. Whereas with gaming, you know, um, there's all this technical stuff that goes into it and, um, and, you know, built and accessibility to that. Although, you know, now we have iPhones to shoot films and stuff. So anyway, it's a complicated question. But uh, <laughs> at No Arena brings up something. He says we're in an indie golden age. And I actually don't think we are anymore. Um, and maybe it even speaks to the accessibility of all this tech that I feel like Four years ago, like 2014, let's say 2014 to 2018, that was an indie golden age where we had this beautiful marriage between accessibility of these developer tools to make these games and um, mastery and an artistry going into them. And it felt like every indie game that was coming out and people talked about was a slam dunk. And it was hard to find someone that was speaking ill to it or uh, didn't love it in, in some way or another. And I feel like we're having this, you know, talking about like how much shit is getting pumped out, you know, not that it's, I think it's fantastic. The more people can make games, but I, I do feel like, um, you know, last year, for example, even though people loved this game, it's this game called death's door. Um, it's a top down kind of hack and slash thing. You play this Raven with a sword. A lot of people loved it. And I feel like a lot of years I would have loved it too, but I didn't really vibe with it. I actually felt it quite derivative. And I felt like previous indie games had done what it was trying to do better. And I feel like we are finding some of that now. And, you know, games that 
I would have looked at a couple of years ago if you told me, yeah, this publisher is making it, um, this developer is making it, uh, this small indie game. I would have been like, that is a lock for a really good game that's going to score really good reviews. And I feel like we're getting less of that, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, talking about a golden age where, Mm -hmm. oh, it's just just the right mix of amount of content and quality. I yeah. think we, we, we've passed that um, when it comes to indies, as, as especially for sure. And definitely in AAA. So, yeah, I think that it, I think the, the parallels that you can draw between film or, or TV, any, any sort of video production in that realm with the iPhone and with it's, it's similar in the sense that it's become you, anyone can, you had these gatekeepers you used to have to go through and you had to rent really expensive equipment and you had to know how to cut actual film, physical film. And it was there were the barriers of entry just were so high. And now with mm-hmm. things like this and the 13 now has cinema mode and you can <laughs> it's getting so much easier to make it look like like what the big dogs used to do. And I feel like it sounds like at least with indie games, because the technology is becoming you know, I could sit here and I could bang out. I know nothing about video games and I could probably download some software that would allow me to bang out a game and I could just throw it out there. Almost like when YouTube first came around and it was just this cacophony of everyone's putting up videos, you know, you know, it's it to regulate itself a little bit. It's funny you bring this up because uh, I know you wanted to talk about my 3D printer. This is a perfect <laughs> opportunity to talk about it. I love this thing. And it's because... Um, it's it's speaking to exactly what you're. To, I feel like we're talking about. Um, for example, if you see over here, actually, let me turn off my like faux blur so you can see it better. Um, so I have this wall of Power Rangers action figures. Uh, huge Power Rangers fan, like my original fandom, pretty much. Um, and uh where are we oh it's that's not the control sorry one sec all right so you can see him better there green ranger all the way (laughs) he's right there nice so i have them so these guys over here are like attached on like these plastic things to hold them up so they're like in the midair and i 3d printed the 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 thing to hold to hold them to the frame of the um hold them to the frame of the shelving unit and over there i have my backpack that i 3d printed a hook that was specifically designed you know specifically for that backpack and then we got our dog a um this ball retrieval toy so it, it's a big like it looks like eve from wally oh with, nice. that, with its head chopped off right yeah. and its bottom it's just the middle there and you drop a ball in it and it shoots out because he loves chasing after his ball and so yeah. i was like cool we'll just automate this process and but he's a little scared of it because like when the motor kicks in and stuff like that it's really loud so he kind of doesn't want to get near it he just wants to go chase the ball and so what we've been doing is we've been um trying to give him treats and near it so that when we when he you know try and try and drop the ball in and i 3d printed this little shelf that sits in the machine that we can just put because the, the machine is like a bowl so yeah. you can't like leave a treat in there. Um, right. But I 3D printed this like little shelf that, that can sit there. And I'm just like thinking of like, oh my God, all these things that I would like need to buy like this stupid little attachment for or right. this, that, and the other. Like I can just make that at home now. And like it kind of blows my mind. And when I was a kid, 
I remember my parents asking me, you know, one Christmas, like, what did I want for Christmas? And I told them I wanted an action figure machine. And to me, this thing existed <laughs> in the late wow. 90s. Okay. <laughs> and to me, it existed. And it was, I would draw a picture. And then I would put it in the machine and it would make an action figure of that drawing. Oh, and I was convinced. You're a prophet. <laughs> I was convinced that that was, would be a thing. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't at the time. But now it kind of is. I, can, I can't just like print a whole action figure with motion in one go. Right. But I could I could design something and I could make each of the individual like articulated parts and I could easily build it. Yeah. And I just was surprised when I was doing like custom like even something as simple as this or the hook or even the shelf thing. I was just like stunned how easy the 3D modeling tools were. I really? did, it was so into it. Yeah, it's called 3D Builder. I think it is a Microsoft product. And I was like, well, this is going to be a piece of shit. Microsoft <laughs> on the planet. Um, but it's surprisingly like intuitive, like, you know, uh, shaping and molding things. And, um, you know, yeah, it's just it's crazy how easy a lot of this stuff has become. That's awesome. But yeah, I got a th- and this thing is only 200 bucks. Like, it's so cheap. Me? Yeah, only 200 for like a decent like... Uh, 3d printer okay. 200 bucks that's a Definitely really good deal i know they one. were really expensive so i think obviously they've come down in price now these days so that's something awesome. like this would have been like three grand 10 yeah. years ago for sure yeah, yeah. that's amazing yeah. that's really fucking cool well way to go tom way to be uh you know inventive i'm proud of you <laughs> thank you that sounded really condescending oh do we just lose him he <laughs> fuck Did... you doug <laughs> That could not have been. Well, way to go, Tom. Way to be, uh, you know, inventive. Boop. Huh. So how are you doing, Justin? Oh, I'm good. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Cool. This, is, this has been really good. This has been a really good conversation. Yeah. We're streaming, right? Uh-huh. We're streaming. <laughs> We're sure it's recording? Yep. It wouldn't have been a mind gap without a technical thing. No. Yeah. A good thing is, I don't think that was our problem. So. Like, you didn't kick him out. Nope. Okay, that's good. Nope. <laughs> That's good. Crit goes, uh, he said, well, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> while you're, I, I want to, while we're getting him back, I want to address <clears throat> something that's been going on in the chat here in that, uh, you've finally gotten called out for your hatred of Legend of Zelda. Here's the you thing. Have, you, are, you are on record for a long time saying that that's one of the worst video games that was ever created. Here's what I'll say. Uh, yeah. first Zelda. Totally cool. Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, cool. I'll even give Zelda 2 a bit of a pass on the Nintendo. Beyond that, mm-hmm. I lost track of Zelda. I didn't. I never had an N64, so I never played Ocarina of Time. And then yeah. I played a little bit of Twilight Princess on the Wii, but I never finished it. It's just, I've just so just, I've lost it. I've lost it. So I have I no idea. I celebrate the entire library of uh, and the whole canon of the Zelda franchise. So I, I think it is uh, it's flawless, and I I have loved it uh, ever since day one. Yeah, onions and Zelda. Doug hates them both. Thanks, Hobbs. Nice to see you, buddy. <laughs> does he does he know he's gone? I just sent him a message on. Uh, you don't know if he knows he's gone on Discord. Yeah. Uh. So, um, what about the one in Switch? We talking about the one in Switch? What do you feel about that, Doug? Talking about Breath of the Wild. I haven't played it. 
I heard it's great. Before people go nuts, uh, like I feel like we're I'm at a the we're right at the precipice of potentially people like shelling out money and uh, you know actually. Hey, sorry about that. <laughs> Look who's back. Sorry about that. I I, I was closing like windows because I hate having tabs open. Yeah, like, me too. I have to. I have to like execute them when they crop up and i accidentally closed out of this one it was surprisingly <laughs> frustrating trying to get back in no anyway, sorry worries it's totally fine it was actually pretty perfect because it sounded like i was being super condescending to you and then you just like peaced out and i'm like oh <laughs> my bad after doug said oh well good for you for like, being good so for you cute. for being so and you're just like, Boop. like oh can you imagine I was not a fan of that compliment i mean that uh, sounds like, like if i'm not mistaken that that's so gonna funny. be a clip for this week i think that's just yeah. gonna be <laughs> you know, that'll be a good one. So uh, we'll talk about it later. But please, just for the chat, don't send me any Zelda things. <laughs> we'll talk later about why. Don't buy me anything, says please Justin. Don't, buy, don't waste your money on that. Well, um, as we're kind of nearing uh, the end of the show here, as we start kind of heading towards the wrap up stuff, I wanted to quick get your insight on some stuff that's happened on Twitch recently sure. uh, over the last couple of days, uh, which involved some of the more high profile twitch users streaming copy written copyrighted copy written stuff that doesn't belong to them uh on on their on their streams uh the bigger one was pokimane was just straight up streaming avatar the last airbender on her stream just straight up episodes uh another one disguised toast was uh streaming death note um hassan was uh, streaming master chef and um We've talked about his just- copyright claim turned out to be false, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. So they uh, Twitch said this was an incorrect copyright claim and that it was just some random person that made the, the claim versus like Fox, you know, I have I have thoughts and opinions on this. Um, sure. We've talked about piracy in the past and uh, I fucking hate this. I hate that people are doing this. Um, I it, it, it drives me nuts. Because this is also a really bad thing for Twitch. It was like when they were doing before with their music. Speaking of that 3D printed hook, it just fell off the wall. (laughs) Was that the hook? By the way, guys, good quality stuff comes out of this. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Um, I've, uh, you know, just when, when... Twitch was like totally cool with people just playing music during their streams, right? In fact, they were encouraging it. They're like, use Spotify, play music. And then finally, someone in the music business was like, what are you doing? You can't you can't play our shit on your streams. That's, that's interesting. So you are not, uh, uh, you are for stricter copyright law or at least stricter copyright enforcement and not being able to share content. I'm a like stick that. in the mud. I'm lawfully good yeah. when it comes to this, where I'm just like, listen, you don't own this stuff. You can't just play it like that. I I uh, did a brief stint as a music investigator for the American Society of uh, Composers, uh, Authors, and Publishers, where I would go into bars and clubs who were playing music uh, without a license, and I basically mm-hmm. would rat them out um, because that's how, <laughs> how cool I am. Yeah. But uh, I, I just, I'm a big, he you know, he was a narc. I was, was a total narc. <laughs> I was a music narc. But I, I you know, I grew up, I, I was, my original passion was music. I wanted to be involved in the music industry. I went to grad school for it. It's working out great. Um, you know, I really cared a lot about that. And, you know, I was a user of Napster back in the day. Prolific use of that. 
but I realize also I haven't created a lot. But if I did create something, it would really bother me if someone just took what I created and then just used it. And in worst case situation, like the music industry, exactly. <laughs> or if they just exactly, like that, that, and and that's that's my thing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we're gonna have very diametrically opposed views to this. Cool. And um, the so look, I will say this: if um, you know. Like, for example, uh, an example of very uncool taking someone else's content and reusing it is what we're seeing with artists' art being stolen in NFTs. Oh, my God. Stealing people's artwork, putting them up as NFTs. Really fucking fucked up. Because, A, I mean, outside of whatever, I do not want to get into an NFT conversation right now, but however you (laughs) feel about those, what put that aside. But, you know, artwork like that, you know, not only are you posing it as um, this is an original that I have made and I'm profiting off of it, um, you know, usually it's just a one-to-one thing. It is someone's artwork. With all of this, and I used to be someone who was like, fuck piracy, fuck stealing, like all of this stuff, like if you want to call it stealing, because at this point I actually don't consider it stealing anymore. (laughs) Because the thing is, because the thing is, is that, it's the music industry that has stolen the work. I've, uh, it, it is the entertainment industry that has stolen the work from the creator because, not because that they, um, you know, the creator unwillingly entered a contract or something like that, but they have, you buy the balls so much that, um, you know, that the percentages, you know, an artist has to make on something like Spotify uh, before they see any amount of money. Um, the people, you know, sure, the producers of and creators of, um, you know, MasterChef or something like that, you know, they're getting paid very well. But uh, the people who are actually making the content are not. And on top of that, especially when it comes to Twitch, you know, um, uh you know, and, and going back to that, like, say, say unranked podcast, right? We do a Patreon content like you. If someone was putting that out there for free, I would be pretty upset because, you know, it's not like it's bringing in a ton of money, but like we are creating it. It is our thing. And there is no third party leeching off of that involved. Um, so, you know, there's a difference between that. And I think streaming something that is owned by Universal Music Group or is owned by Fox um secondly the other thing is is that w- regarding the tw- the use of it usage of it on Twitch um I feel like it falls under something called fair use mm-hmm. um it, a, a very broad definition of fair use but I do think that and what fair use basically means and this is very reductive um to anyone I'm sure you guys are aware of it, and I'm sure you are very aware of what fair use is Doug as someone who has been in this uh industry um, it basically means that if you are commenting, critiquing, if you are um, building on top of in a way and, and, and analyzing the content directly, um, you can use it uh, like images in an article on a website, right? They have to fall under fair use. You can't just steal something. You know, you can't just like grab any image. You have to give a, a purpose. You know, you have to be talking about the image, you know, if it's a, a, a you know, anything like this. Um, and I feel that like, especially with music on Twitch, um, you know, if I've got music in the the background of someone's stream, like I'm not listening to that and being like, 
oh, cool, I'm getting one over on, I don't have to pay for this music. More likely, if someone's playing a song that I really like in the background, or even if they're just streaming the song straight up, right? And it's a radio station that's looping 24-7 with pirated music. I'm not like, this is a great way to listen to the music, you know, because it's just random or someone's talking over it. I'm more likely to be like, I loved that song. You know, it would, you know, uh, a lot of artists, when they're performing on stage, they play music between sets. Uh, and there is there are so many bands that I found because I'll just be at a set and I'll be like, that was a great song. You know, sh let me Shazam it. Let me find it. Uh, and then I become a fan and I do engage and, you know, use a streaming service to, to you know, to funnel money to there. The TV meta is a little different because it we don't engage with TV content the same way we do with music where we're watching the same episode over and over again. I mean, you might do that, but, you know, music is meant to be repeated and we listen to. So there's more of an incentive to leave that, take that knowledge and go find it somewhere else on like a viable platform. The TV narrative is a little different, but again, to me, it's kind of like watching Pokimane watch and talk about <laughs> Avatar is very different than just sitting down and watching Avatar yourself. And especially a show like Avatar, you know, if I was watching Pokimane doing that, I would be like, I'm going to stop watching Pokimane doing this and I'm going to just go watch the show because of the merit of and the quality of that content. Um, the and then the the other sorry i'm just rambling here no. but the other the other aspect of it so I, I so i don't actually really see a problem with it because again it's not like it's the creator of avatar who is like you know or any of the writers that worked on that that are like fuck pokimane it's viacom <laughs> you know it's this company that is has people that run it that make tens of millions of dollars who are protecting I, protecting IP for the sole reason of making a bigger profit and making more money um, uh, to enrich themselves by tens of millions of dollars. And and that motivation makes me it very hard for me to care about anyone breaking copyright. Um, you know, and then on the flip side, the reason that I'm kind of more for it not that like I'm going to do that or I think everyone should start doing it, but I kind of like the idea of Twitch streamers like testing the waters, right? Like we had it with like the hot tub and pool stuff as uh, meta that happened, mm -hmm. right? Of like that. what is acceptable here and kind of pushing the company to be, um, you know, yes or no on like what is good to good to go. And so I, I kind of like that rebellious nature of it, of like tempting fate. And now the one downside I feel to it is that uh, people are talking about like smaller content creators, um, you know, jumping into the narrative, you know, the meta to try and get views and then getting screwed. Um, I, I, and I, I definitely understand that argument. The other thing though about that argument is that um, I don't think it's true. I don't think you are getting smaller streamers getting penalized. Maybe medium streamers who have, you know, quite a, a big following that might attempt it. But I'm telling you right now, if I just put like my TV shows on my Twitch, Twitch would never find it. 
and Twitch would not give a damn and wouldn't actually send me, uh, no one's going to copyright strike me. So the only people big enough who I think are going to get copyright stricken are also like insulated enough that like Twitch isn't going to ban them because they make the money. Pokemon makes Twitch so much money. She's never getting, uh, you know, banned. And if you're small enough, like you're going to get away with it. My friend was talking about how like there's this Twitch channel that just like does has for I don't know at this point, but for months at that time, had just been playing movies on repeat, just different films. Um, and, the, you know, they, they didn't do anything about that. And the opening of my, um, the opening music for my uh, Twitch stream, like the 10 minutes where it's just a video sync stream starting, it's a remix of all of Daft Punk's music. Um, and Twitch hasn't done a damn thing about it. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, but again, you know, I don't think anyone is there, you know, like everyone that has noticed that music has been like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, it's this remix by the this 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 duo. And people have gone and checked out their stuff. Um, yeah. So that's just kind of where where I where I fall on it. Nice. Justin, yeah. what do you think about it? About what there's a lot covered about specifically <laughs> the, on Twitch or pirating in general. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, kind of like uh, based on the situation, you know, if if someone's streaming, you know, TV shows, because that's the thing, too, is you mentioned transformative stuff. Tom, Pokimane is not doing anything transformative. She's literally sitting there watching the show and mm-hmm. other people are watching her watch the show. So this is not like not Mystery Science Theater 3000 again. She's nope. not commenting on it and making jokes or anything. Like if that. anything, she might be reacting like, oh, wow, or whatever. But there's not like mm-hmm. she's not pausing and being like, see. The Marxist angle here is that <laughs> bossing say is really, you know, a cover for, you know, communist Russia or whatever. She's not like trying to break yeah. it down or anything. She's just watching it, you know, like right. got a cozy blanket on watching it, you know, just streaming it. And it's like, watch me watch this show. It I, Look, I uh, you and I align a little bit when it comes to the the concept of like pirating and, and being more of like. The, the, the part that I don't like is when it's unfair for the people who have created the content, uh, the artists themselves. Like, sure. I think they get dicked, you know, top and down, left and right. It's just it when you're an artist, you just you're spreading your butthole and saying, come on, <laughs> in. like you get dicked. Uh, I do agree with Tom in the sense that uh, it's. It's the it's the the company the uh, the the record labels the production company the the people at the higher end they're the ones who are really profiting off of this so they're dicking the artists just as much as anyone else. I from a personal standpoint have never really had an issue with pirating. I say play the music on your stream. I don't really give a shit. Play if you want to sit and watch TV and someone watches you do that. Cool, you've got enough charisma to get people to sit and watch you watch TV. <laughs> you do what you got to do. Um, it doesn't bother me from that perspective. Like if someone were watching, uh, if someone were watching, po- was it Pokimane? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pokimane. Watching one of our films, hopefully they would go, oh, I actually liked what was in the background, you know, when I'm not looking at the streamer. Uh, let me go, you know, find that kind of to, to what Tom was saying. So, I think that uh, I I think that's more where I'm aligned with is like it really doesn't bother me. Um, if I personally am losing a shitload of money, that's where I'm going to start getting bothered. 
You know, and it's really funny because uh, Hassan being one of these Twitch streamers that, uh, again, his copyright claim was was found to be uh, just not actually made by the copyright holder. So he's gone back to doing the reactions to MasterChef. And the other thing with the MasterChef one is it's like it's not like the episode that's airing live then and there. It's like older, you know, seasons like Avatar The Last Airbender <laughs> been out <laughs> for as long as Bioshock has at this point, <laughs> um, you know, um, you know that those creators now have their own studio within Nickelodeon and Viacom and are making untold amounts of spin-offs. So it's not like that show is at risk of not having an audience. It has an audience. It's had a huge audience for a while. But the other side of it is is that um, you know something that Hassan talked to because I'm a fan of his content is the fact that like a lot of people on YouTube take his content and repackage it and make channels where it's clipping him out. And that was actually how I found him. It was one of these uh, fans of his that made their own fan account with his content. And then I was like, this is great. I'm going to the source. And I became a fan of Hassan's content. And now um, I watch primarily his YouTube because I think personally, I think that whoever he's hired to edit is doing a much better job than a lot of these like fan accounts are. But some, you know, he does eight hours of streaming a day. I do not watch all of it. I just watch the clipped out stuff. But there are some things that pop up where I'm like, oh, he didn't clip this out, but one of his other fans did. Let me go watch his thoughts on this and him talking about this latest thing that, you know, he didn't put out uh, on his own channel. And so I do feel like there is like a symbiotic relationship there where you know, and those channels make money. Some of those other fan channels are actually like partnered with YouTube, uh, and like people have their careers based off of him. Free content that they, you know, he is happy with them taking, and they make money. Plus, people become fans of his and then go check out his stuff. So, um, you know, and especially with music, you know, the T again, like the TV thing is 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 different for sure. But like, I'm never like. Listen to someone talk. There's music in the background of being like, this is the best way to listen to this song. And I'm never going to go, you know, <laughs> look up whatever band it is or what have you. Yeah. No, you, yeah. you make a good point. I think there's definitely something to be said for discoverability, right? Like um, I've gone on YouTube, listened to music, you know, heard things and bought an album. You know, based on the stuff that I've seen and, and whatever. And there's something to be said for having a source that you trust recommend something to you and be like oh cool i've never heard of that maybe i'll go check it out i think at the core of this the crux of it is you're absolutely right like viacom is the one that's set to lose out on this right because they own the property to whatever this is um but my issue is that i think it's more just a fundamental concept of like something that you made and you own is being used by someone else without your permission. And that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a multinational conglomerate, gross corporate entity. If you take that out of it, the core of it still rubs me the wrong way of someone's going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to go. It's a really big core though. It like, is. It is the core. It's almost everything, you know, yeah. it's, you know, a, again, it would be different if I made a web series that I put out a Patreon for and someone, you know, a huge Twitch streamer was watching that and I was losing out on revenue for myself. Mm -hmm. That is different. But that's the thing. It is different from these situations where it is Viacom, Fox, um, yeah. you know, uh, Funimation uh, and the, you know those uh, mm -hmm. you know I don't think you can remove that element from it because it is almost the entire point uh, Jobus does bring up a good point about when an artist uh, in the chat 
mm-hmm. for people listening later. So, uh, what about when an artist says someone is using it for something that doesn't align with their values? Like recent artists complain about politicians using the music unlicensed for their campaigns. This is where, like, you know, as much as I am, like, go for it. I understand why we have copyright laws because if we start, you know, unfortunately, this company is run on a really bullshit system of like. <laughs> Well, there's precedent for that in the past, so we just need to keep doing that. As if, like, we haven't undone so much precedent that has been set by this country. Um, You know, so if it's like, cool, yeah, like, Hassan can watch MasterChef, so Trump can use, you know, uh, Billy Joel's music for this campaign rally. Um, Unfortunately, like, in a legal way, like, shit like that would happen, and that's really fucked up. Um, You know... Here's the thing is like when it comes to stuff like that, who who used I think it was Trump who used like Eye of the Tiger. And yeah. like that artist was like, fuck you or whatever. <laughs> um I mean, you know, yeah, like if that person wants to come out and say like fuck do not use my music or I will sue or whatever because of a moral thing, um, you know. Uh again, I think it's a different situation and I think there is value to that, but at the same time, um it's like all right, if Trump is using my music, I'm probably a millionaire artist anyway, or have, you know, uh, that that one time that it's playing, you know, I think almost the message of like, I do not approve of this going out is the point in a situation like that, rather than like, I'm missing out on royalties or, you know, you didn't pay for that play. Um, you know, anyway. Yeah. So that's no. my take that that. I think I, I think that's a little bit more where I line of that. I feel less... I don't mind when I hear like, oh, you know, Fox or whomever or BMG went after this. They're suing these people for for streaming this or doing whatever. That's where I'm just like, fuck, fuck you guys, because, you know, you didn't make this. You just sure you you put the money up to put this music out, but you got your money back from that. You didn't make this. You shouldn't you shouldn't dictate where it goes uh, from from that point forward. I think. If the artist sounds off on it, that's where I'm a little more like if an artist comes out and said, I don't want anyone using my music to stream, then I'd be like, cool. So that's probably will nix that. Like if that artist were to come after a streamer or say, hey, man, cease and desist or I'm going to draw a lawsuit up against you. That I would be way more on board with than yeah. big companies. Because if again, the copyright claim is coming from it. the person, that is yeah. yeah, definitely different. And then the other the other end of it is, is that, you know, for example, when I was doing the um, uh, talking about, you know, on my latest stream, and I'm actually going to b- uh, put up a VOD of the uh, experience at youtube.com forward slash unranked podcast. But it's me just talking about the games of 2020 and what my thoughts were and like am i excited for them vice versa and um you know i had music just playing in the background and it is a royalty free you can stream this uh thing called stream beats which is made by this guy called harris heller love him and his whole thing is the hassan thing where it's like use this because every time like you play it on spotify like i'm getting a little bump and like people are finding the streams the songs and all that and like he's building almost this next stage of his streaming empire off of stream beats uh because of the revenue that he's pulled in from that and you know one of the things that he brought up which i think is also very pertinent to this is that there is no workaround for people to pay money right so you've got people um you know playing off of spotify right feeding into their stream 
right? So it's only counting that one play, that one uh, you know song play for that person. It's not counting for the thousands of people listening to it while someone else is talking over it. Um, but you know, if the industry and Twitch were to come together and figure out a solution where it's like, cool, you want to play music on here? Here's a subscriber. Here's a, uh, a streaming subscription, and it counts for a certain amount of plays. It's a little bit more premium, but Probably if you're using that, you're at the point where you are raking in enough money from Twitch to offset that cost and that be uh, useful to you. But it's just kind of like the system being like, fuck you, like <laughs> we're going to shut you down and not providing a solution that ultimately would be beneficial for everyone involved, would be beneficial for the, the music industry, would be beneficial for streaming services, would be beneficial for Twitch for them to have a solution. But Right now, they don't seem interested in actually, like, doing any of that and more just, like, figuring out ways. Like, the fact that video games, um, you know, and again, video games, copyrighted content, True. like, technically shouldn't really be able to, you know, by the law, by the precedent, shouldn't be able right. to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that, like, Guardians of the Galaxy has a streamer mode that takes out all of its amazing music... <laughs> Because it's got all of these, you know, it's like the movies, right? It has a 30, uh, 30 yeah. track list soundtrack of like the best 80s hits that are awesome. And that you can switch a mode that takes that music out and it puts in like generic, we made this for the game, you are allowed to stream this. Like that built into a video game is a, an a, a very stupid solution <laughs> to that problem. And it's a band-aid. Points out to some of the ridiculous aspects of like copyright law, yeah, um, and and the way that it is treated and handled. Like it's you know because it's me talking over the characters, talking over the music. But if I don't turn that toggle on, I'm screwed. You know what I mean? Like if I'm a yeah. b- big enough streamer, where I get a hit. Uh, so it's just like come up with a solution. Like it'll make you guys money. Businesses are so fucking stupid. I agree. I think a collaboration is the best thing. If, if people were to be like, hey, listen, I don't want you doing this because this is mine, but what if we found a way to partner where we can find a way for you to stream this stuff that we own because people want to see it, you want to do it, we all benefit, let's figure it out. I think that's a much better way to do it. I'm all for it. Agreed. Yeah. Well, since Doug, since you're in the uh, headspace of doling out really practical advice to giant conglomerates. I feel like this is the perfect time to segue. You got the questions, we got the answers. All you do is ask. Practical, 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 ask practical Doug. And <laughs> again for ask practical Doug. For those of you who don't know, there's a tiny Doug that lives inside the larger Doug, and the tiny Doug is known as Practical Doug. Practical Doug guides Doug on most of his life's decisions, and just <laughs> in general in life. Uh, and we have viewers and listeners who submit questions for Ask Practical Doug. So if you would like to get your question answered by Ask Practical Doug, you can, on any of our socials or on our Discord channels, or if you've got our phone numbers, if you're lucky enough to have those, you can text us. If it's on socials, hashtag Ask Practical Doug. And today's is from our super fan Zinni. And I forgot to give Zinni this earlier. <laughs> That's for you, Zin. Uh, what is your take, uh, Practical Doug? What is your take on hats? 
solely for warming purposes or for fashion as well? What a great question, Zenny, and thank you for asking. As a man with clear hair, um, hats like see-through hair. It's just I have hair. It's just it's it's clear. You know, you just can't see it. That's why I tell my daughter all the time. She's like, "You don't have hair." I go, "Yeah, I do. It's clear." Uh, Kids are dumb. Uh, you know, hats are important to me because when it's sunny, mm. it protects it from getting scorched. When it's cold, my head gets cold really, really, really quick. So it's it's very practical use for me. You know, it can be fashionable too. You know, hopefully it is. You know, I grew up, you know, with a dad who was a farmer who was like, put this on. It'll keep you dry in the rain. And then it's the most gross abomination thing you can imagine, but it works. I'm like, you know, it could definitely be both. I right. prefer it. A hat in its core is practical, but there's nothing that says it can't be fashionable. No. Mm. You know? Agreed. I mean, I don't, I never really wore a lot of hats, but once uh, my hair went clear, uh, I definitely had to, uh, it, it was it was a rookie move to be outside in the sun without a hat. I was like, well, this is going to be bad. I'm going to have a scorched head. So, yes. How about you guys? Do you wear hats? Are you hat connoisseurs? Oh, well, we're we're firmly in beanie season right now, um, for sure. Which is a um, you know level of I would say leaning more on the functional side. But that being said, I think especially with the um, especially in the this pandemic era, right, we're seeing comfy core right being this thing of like, yo, you can be stylish. You can go out in. Uh, in a nice pair of sweats, right? Partnered maybe with a, a sweatshirt and a beanie. Like that is now a great look. And so I feel like the beanie has crept up on the fashion scale of it. Um, that being said, personally, I only really wear hats for a practical reason. I have quite a big head. I think most hats look kind of ridiculous on me. Um, and uh, so personally, yeah, it is more of a function and a, be- a beanie. Um, you know, yeah, definitely. Like, especially now, it's very cold outside. Like, definitely need one of those. Um, but I think, in general, like a, a mix of both, I think, is a good. I agree. Good place to be in. I share that pain with you about the big head thing. Uh, it's, we all it's have big heads. It's okay. <laughs> Milos used to say, "Your mother is a saint." <laughs> <laughs> but hats have always looked a little odd on me as well um i also i i have i don't know what it is with my hair even if i don't have anything in it if i put a hat on my hair is just fucked the rest of the day so if i choose to mm. wear a hat that hat is on until i come home and i mm. am relaxing like that is i don't know what it is but i've uh, i like wearing hats every once in a while but it has to be a commitment Tell you what, I don't miss those days of being like, what does my hair look like? Because my clear hair doesn't show up as anything is there wrong. Was so a very small part of me. I, I do like having hair. There's a very small part of me that was like, I wonder, should I just shave it and just kind of then I can wear any hat I want. Dude, it'll be a whole if new you shaved your head. Up. We'd be like brothers. Well, and then it, they put that, you know, the filters on instant uh, so instant media and social media. <laughs> uh, the filters are getting really good. And so uh, there was they one are, that showed yeah. what did you look like if you were bald. And I look just like Doug. Shocking. That's so funny. Yeah. So I, I did it and I sent it to Doug. I said, hey, man, are we related? And then, yes. uh, yeah, the, it turns out we are. We did a blood test and everything. 
<laughs> my sister my sister sent me a photo recently that was a similar thing but it was her with a beard and she sent me a screenshot and she was like people have said in my whole life that we look alike and i've never believed them until now until you put on the beard yeah. and now you're like now i see it yeah, yeah. Well, there you it's have amazing it. Amazing how much just a little bit of hair can can uh, can change your look, though. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. It's wild, yeah. But there you have it. Hats, both practical and fashionable. And now the throwdown. Welcome to the throwdown. All right, Doug. All right. What? This you- had to have been changed in the middle of us talking. You think so? I feel like there's no way that they that or like this is just super serendipitous. Well, if you're not familiar with the throwdown, it's essentially an opportunity for uh, fans of our podcast to put together two things that enter a ring of death and only one can leave. And uh, here we are with with our with our two for this week. Justin, hit the hit the drum roll. You got it. This week's throwdown is Tommy Oliver, the Green Power Ranger, versus full <laughs> DC overpowered Batman. No, that is so funny. <laughs> very, very funny. So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll say this much about. So, but they said the green because this takes you to uh, to Tommy Oliver's page, and you've got to choose old Tommy human. Human DT, Ninja, Green, White, Red. So I'm going to click on Green. We're going to go with that. Oh, my God. That is that is so much. Yeah, he's been a, a number of Rangers. You've also got to think about Lord Dracon, an alternate universe Tommy, who was introduced in the comics, who never... So in the comics, he's evil at first, or in the TV show, right? Evil yeah. at first, under Rita Repulsa's spell, and then gets freedom and becomes a good Ranger. Uh, Lord Dracon, an alternate universe version of Tommy, who never becomes good and basically ends up debt like running the like ruling the planet um, and gets all of the powers from all of the power rangers through time and space um so if we're talking about him i feel like it's game over for batman <laughs> well i feel like any character that can summon a giant robot i mean has a significant advantage over yeah. an overpowered batman i mean batman may have like you know EMP abilities or some shit like that in his in his back pocket, but uh, I mean, uh, physically, because again, we're under the assumption too that these two don't know the battle is going to happen. Because if you give Batman prep, there's probably something he could come yeah, up with. Yeah, and that and that's the thing about um, yeah, that's the thing about Batman. <laughs> when they're seeing full OP Batman, like with this, this is Batman post Flashpoint that we're looking at, and there's base. Hellbat armor and God of Knowledge, which that seems is that true OP Batman, or are we just doing the base post Flashpoint Batman? Is the God of Knowledge thing when he sits on the throne and knows about like who the Joker is and shit? Is that what that's referring that's to? I didn't know he got a power yeah. boost from that. <laughs> I didn't either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's I mean that character is a tier nine B, Doug. Batman pays his taxes. <laughs> The Power Rangers don't pay taxes because they're meant to be teenagers in high school, (laughs) so they don't have an income. In fact, if you think about it, Power Rangers, right, driven by, you know, uh, the youths, right, Um, donating their time and uh, experiences for the common good, 
versus a, a capitalist billionaire. You know, this it really is a dichotomy between like socialism and capitalism <laughs> right here. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel that like... Um, yeah. And then you've got to think about like, the character brutality because one is like from a kid's TV show. And I mean, depending on which version of Batman you go with, like, you know, yeah. if you're talking about this new one, the Robert Pattinson Batman, you know, it looks pretty brutal. Like, he might be willing to push it a little further than, uh, well, I don't know, the, than the, Tommy is the Green Ranger. So we have a council of elders that decides these throwdowns. And what they oh, okay. to us is oh, they're saying full DC OP Batman. So okay. I'm assuming that this is God of Knowledge Batman. And I mean, he is definitely. He, in true DC fashion, they have straight OP'd him. So, I mean, yeah, his I, speed is massively hypersonic, right. massively faster than light. Catch that, Tommy. Uh, his lifting strength <laughs> is unknown, overpowered and threw Superman and resisted the pull of an artificial black hole. Uh, Jesus, striking strength, but wall class. He can break a wall, apparently. So I love how the wait up to solar argument. system class punched woman woman hard enough to send her crashing into a wall. Can trade blows with Superman. Solar system Good class. Point. Who makes these things? I I part of me loves reading this stuff out because it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. His strength, striking strength, is solar system class. Incapacitated new gods like Godfrey and Calabac and made Darkseid bleed with a punch. Uh, I don't know if you're following what's going on in the chat right now. Oh, there's the a there's people, a straight up. The council may have tore itself asunder. <laughs> like there, a riff has happened. Yeah, yeah. This um, is. Whew. Oh boy, <laughs> they're really uh, going to the council. Uh, so having let's trouble. Do this. Let's to try to bring a little bit of. <laughs> let's. But do, he has normal like, human weaknesses. Refuses to kill unless absolutely necessary, and is reluctant to use firearms due to childhood trauma. So. I mean, is is the Green Ranger is is he known to kill? Is that his is that his jam? Is he willing to he do Dracon? Shoot out of some putty patrol. Here's the thing: if we're going up against this God of Knowledge Batman, I do think we need to be talking about alternate universe Tommy Dracon at okay. his height. And um, now the the so spoilers for the comics. What ends up happening is that uh, he starts absorbing all of the uh so he's evil right he never joins the power rangers he ends up killing rita repulsa so he doesn't have the same like penchant for not killing so he is willing to kill batman and then on top of that he is stealing the powers of um the rangers and adding them to his own so he he actually here let me actually show you the figure so by the end of it i love this if you're listening, we'll describe it, it to like, you. He looks like this. Whoa. Okay. That's what the armor looks like. Hold on. Okay. Kind of this gold and black wow. armor. Yeah, it's sick as fuck. Um, by the end of it, he completely collapses the morphing grid, which is basically like the the energy that holds the universe together and creates his own universe where he is a god. So this seems pretty comparable at that point. Then I mean, yeah. this seems pretty comparable, and he isn't held back from not killing. So right. that's a big key. Batman does have his uh, have that that stupid code, but he also has incredibly high intelligence. He's nigh omniscient. Um, so he his precognition. He can predict the future. 
in this state. So if he can predict mm. the future, I would say for for a character that also is super big on planning, if he can predict the future based on these stats, I think even though they're going to be tossed into a ring, he would anticipate that, right? That they'd be tossed into a death match and therefore he would have a plan in place. Well, didn't you say that he uh that that the the Lord Green Ranger uh was <laughs> didn't didn't you say what was the la- that he like was on the edge of space time or he was like he knew he created what- he created his own universe like yeah. basically like the universe collapsed and he created his own reality in which he was um basically all of the power like it's funny because it's actually a really good storyline because you find out that at the end of the day he just kind of wanted to be friends with the power rangers because they're all like everyone loves him and they're all like his best friend and yeah. they're all like hanging out and stuff so that is the thing is like sure he has pre you know precognition but if if the you know if it's dracon and he's built this universe like he can make batman do it you know yeah maybe batman thinks he has precognition but it's really dracon in the background yeah i just really kind of want the green ranger to win this one <laughs> that's fair i mean let's take, back, let's take god abilities out of it let's just take it back to green ranger versus batman like no i want to keep him i want to keep him overpowered i think that makes sense because here's why well if we take it back to normal i think green ranger with their special with his special abilities and what he has at his disposal i think he defeats batman and i think god level if lord dracon is creating a reality i think that trumps what batman has going even though batman has a lot going for him how precognition doesn't mean anything if someone's warping your reality like yeah that right, exactly. it, yeah so i'm going to give it to the green ranger regardless yeah i feel like e- yeah even if he's not creating the uh, the reality i mean batman can be as as precog as he wants but uh i just think tommy's or, or lord uh, you know uh, drekkar noir has enough <laughs> you know under his in his in his little belt uh, the the other thing is, is I'm looking at these pictures of God of Knowledge Batman, right? And he's sitting in this chair, which is giving him the knowledge. Can he leave the chair? Because I feel like if he has to stay in the chair, everyone um, pees, right? He's pulling a Winnie the Pooh, and he's like, think, think, think. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not seeing an image where he's not sitting in this chair. So it, he seems pretty restricted with what he can move. Plus, honestly, at the end of the day, even if we're talking about OG Green Ranger, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can anything beat the dragon sword? Like right? I don't think so. Yeah, uh, I, I think, think if he's, he's like down. and like a giant thing yeah. comes down, I mean, what's Batman gonna do? <laughs> Can we all also agree he held that the most awkward way possible every time he played it? I'm not. Yeah. I can't remember how it it's was. This way, so it's, it's under just, it's underhand like this. Yeah, and it's funny because the the figure that I have here, I'll bring him bring him up. I'll grab him real quick. This might be my favorite throwdown ever. <laughs> <laughs> we got we've got visuals here guys and if you're listening so, fuck you og green ranger and yeah this actually the hand on this one has the the flute fingers so the the, <laughs> oh, the that's fingers are actually in play so and yes he holds it like this like so so he's holding it underhand <laughs> yeah like that yep yeah <laughs> yeah um I'll uh, I'll also say I do like the image of Batman sitting on the throne going, no, you come here. (laughs) (laughs) Come here, just real quick, before we, just come here. I predicted you would come to me. Yeah, before we start. I I sent you an email before telling you to come right here, so I knew it would happen. (laughs) Closer? I can't hear. What's that? Uh, You'll need to come closer. All right, cool. So we're doing... 
Yes. Yeah. Well, that Very was uh, that was excellent, and I thought we, aside from being an expert in video games, an expert in Power Rangers, also your knowledge helped us come to a conclusion. <laughs> so thank you, Tom. Did you guys know about? I don't know if you know about uh, UFC. It, it, Christian, who does uh, Unranked, who created Unranked, he created this podcast called UFC, and it's basically this where they have a big bucket of names, <laughs> yes, and and they just pull them out at random, and and like that's like the next episode. Oh my gosh! You know, they that's amazing. Episode, that's, that's and then a- they do that, and then it becomes a bracket, and then I think season one, the Doctor from Doctor Who won. Um, I, I can't remember, but yeah, if you like this, uh, yeah. Christian does like a whole podcast. That's amazing. Uh, if you want more throwdown, probably gonna have to check that out. Cause that sounds amazing. Yeah. Cause we've thought about doing a bracket, but then we realized we've had 330 throwdowns now, each consisting of a minimum of two people, yes. sometimes three to five. Yeah. And, uh, I, that's going to be a hard bracket to manage. So. Yeah. Some of them are a little more ethereal. <laughs> <laughs> well uh tom this has been great uh this is the part of the show where we basically no one saw anything no one heard anything it's good you can just 3d print another one it's totally fine um, <laughs> um we uh we basically just do recommendations if there's anything that you've seen heard been listening to been reading anything that you think someone should check out you know right now please by all means recommend it um, this is probably going to be a very contro- controversial one, Ooh. but um, I loved the new Matrix. Yes, uh, I, yes, you I did. adored Resurrections a lot. Um, the Matrix was the movie that made me want to make movies, and uh, so I have everything to thank to that film for where I'm at uh, and the life path that I've gone on. And this movie spoke to the person I am now. I feel and. Um, I know a lot of people don't like it, and I totally get that, and I think it's kind of the point of the film in a lot of aspects. Um, but if you're someone who's like been hearing negative things and is like, oh, I don't know, like a lot of people don't like this, I would en- enthuse you to uh, check it out for yourself and see how you feel. Um, but yeah, I-, I loved it a lot. Um, the other thing that I'm... Um, reading right now is the creative gene which is a book by hideo kojima it isn't uh who created um metal gear solid and death stranding um and a bunch of other games as well um who i think is one of the most inventive creators alive right now i i you know i don't think he is the best writer necessarily or uh maybe the best storyteller but um i do think like his creativity like knows no bounds kind of and i think he's he's a genius in that regard so he has this book called the creative gene and it isn't about there's a prelogue that's kind of about his life or a prelude or a prologue a combination (laughs) of those two uh that is about his life and, and why he's written this book but it's actually like short stories and essays that have inspired him over the years and so it's actually really interesting because i bought it thinking it was a memoir or an autobiography and at first i was really disappointed when i was like oh this isn't like the story of his life you know that he wrote um but it is a very i actually think the concept of like here's all this stuff that like inspired me creatively and it's just very interesting to look at it from from that angle in a very unique way I think collection. So um, if people uh, want to check that out, oh my god! And one last thing, sorry. <laughs> no, please. Um, 
huge fan uh, as well of Junji Ito, who I also think is on that spectrum of like unbridled creativity. Uh, Japanese horror creator. Uh, he created Uzumaki. Uh, Gaio or Gio is, is another one of his books. Uh, you've probably seen memes that meme where it's like this guy is like, This is my hole, I was made for this. That's one of his uh <laughs> books, um, which is about just like a, a wall shows up and there's like human cutouts, like human shaped cutouts in them, and people start realizing that that the cutouts are exactly their measurements, and people become like obsessed with them and start walking through the holes and never come back. Oh, shit. um. Yeah, and Uzumaki, which was the first thing I read by him, uh, which translates to spiral in English, is about a town that is obsessed with spiral imagery. Mm. And slowly, like, it's, it is unput down. It's like a, something I just couldn't put down. Wow. Uh, and I'm obsessed with his work. And he draws and writes all of his stories. It's just him. Um, and yeah, so I, I recommend, um, even if you're not a horror fan, like if you are someone who is just like loves things that people have lit, like you are like, how the fuck did someone think about, think of this? That's amazing. Like, someone came up with this concept. That's nuts. Uh, he, he is just that over and over and over again. Well, you've and got my interest. That sounds really yeah. cool. Yeah. Great recommendation. Justin, what do you got? Uh, completely opposite side of things. <laughs> um, uh, something I know Doug uh, absolutely loves: uh, "Tick Tick Boom" on Netflix, uh, mm. musical about the uh, Jonathan uh, Larson who wrote "Rent," uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's directorial debut. Um, that was a very formative. Um, Jonathan Larson was a very formative figure in Lin Manuel's life and getting into musical theater and and. Um, is very transformative for him. So he, this was a very, very uh, deep um, personal story for Lynn to take on. And it, the the movie is so. Before he wrote Rent, Jonathan wrote Tick Tick Boom, which is about him trying to write a musical before he turns thirty because he feels like a failure. And so it's kind of a meta thing. So Lynn took that. Andrew Garfield plays Jonathan Larson, and it is, it's part the play tick tick boom but then also taken into a narrative movie so it's kind of this cool where you see some of the performance and then you see some of the performance come to life it's it's uh it's pretty cool and i i really liked it so i would recommend tick tick boom on netflix nice uh i made an impulse purchase last weekend i was looking for videos by boat i did not how dare you how dare you boat is a depreciating asset don't buy it now, I uh, was going through uh, the movies on iTunes. I was just kind of, I could go like every weekend to see if there's anything on sale. And I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife, not on sale, just straight price. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to buy this. I bought it, watched it with Natalie and Jill. Natalie fucking loved it. And I really enjoyed it as well. I had extremely low expectations. Wow. I was poo pooing all over the trailer when I saw it. I'm like, who cares? Sure. Who cares? About Ghostbusters. Like, I don't know. It's one of those things I was just being grumpy about. I'm like, it, the trailer did not grab me at all. But I watched the movie and I was like, this was really fun. I really enjoyed it. The next morning, Natalie demanded to watch it again immediately as soon as she woke up. So <laughs> take an almost six-year-old's, you know, perspective on it. She loved it. And I thought it was fun. It was, a, it, was a, it was a fun movie. So Ghostbusters Afterlife. Check it out. You can buy it. Or don't. Stream it. I don't know. 
pirate it. Whatever you want to do. It's up to you. Because For our next video game stream, Doug will be watching that. And there you go. Watch. I'll be watching it. Come check it out. Do the meta, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do the meta. Uh, Tom, this has been an absolute delight having you on here, man. And oh, thank and you very much for having. We'd us. absolutely love to have you back. I feel like we could talk to you forever and ever and ever. So this was this was so much. We fun. almost did. We right. almost did. <laughs> we almost did. Uh, before we go, please once again tell everyone where they can find you and uh, what they should watch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you can uh, find me primarily. I would say at at Twitch Twitch tv forward slash great brit tom uh g-r-e-a-t-b-r-i-t-o-m um that is kind of the thing that i would love people to like go follow and check out and it's the thing that like i love doing the most and uh want to grow the most um but please do go check out the unranked podcast uh and it's youtube uh, youtube.com forward slash unranked podcast um and then also like my writing and stuff on like input and inverse um yeah, so that you'll you'll if you search Great Britom, you'll find everything and just go follow those places. But the Twitch is the big one. Go follow them on Twitch, you bastards. Dole <laughs> out yes, those. I am. Yeah, get me get me to do like another three minute plank. There you go. Make it happen. <laughs> he asked you for it. There you go. Uh, oh, go follow God. him on Twitch. He's he's enjoyable to watch. I highly recommend it. Um, you can also find MindGap on all social medias at MindGap Podcast. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash MindGap Podcast. Like and subscribe. It means the world to us. Check us out. We live stream on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Central for the podcast and Saturdays at 8 p.m. Central for the video game stream. And also don't forget to check out Justin online as well. On Instagram and Twitter at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. It's the fun way of spelling it. And while you're in the online realm, can check us out on spotify and uh, apple podcast google podcast basically where do you listen to podcasts you can find us there subscribe to us rate review like all those things the big one is sharing please if you like an episode copy the link share it out to some people and say hey i like this i think you might too that goes a super long way to east eighth.com slash mind gap and then just keep an eye on all of two east eighth stuff uh february 1st it, we are dropping um Life and Debt of a Liberal Arts Major. It's finally coming out, and uh, we're continuing to move forward on the feature film this year. Yay! Super exciting. So go check that stuff out. Once again, Tom, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, thanks. No, you're good. <laughs> no worries. And with that, I'll say, Justin, thank you. Douglas, thank you. Chat, thank you. Listeners, thank you. And you all have a dandy fucking week. Mind Gap Podcast.